and welcome to a new episode of Digital Coffee. And I'm your host, Brett Dice. If you subscribe to Digital Coffee to get all the latest updates in PC gaming, just subscribe through your favorite podcasting app. Leave a five-star review. It really does help with the show. But this week, we're going to be talking about Battlefield 1. Ironically enough, Battlefield 2042's newest updates in Season 3. It's very interesting. Cyberpunk 2077 a Kotaku article that basically said that, well, there needs to be a higher standard in JRPGs, but it's not really what you think. And then my basically big thing is going to be about Overwatch 2's store prices and kind of the whole monetization of the free-to-play and why I told you so, why it was going to be worse off in the long run. But I hope you have your coffee cups ready. Happy Friday, and let's get on with the show. Mmm, that's good. And yes, a happy Friday as well, but let's get on with it. So Battlefield 1, which came out six years ago. Great game, by the way. It's one of the, my favorite ones in the Battlefield series. Is now back on the Steam's top 10 bestseller list after six years. That's right. And it's been reaching more than 50,000 players in the past 24 hours. It's just, I think the reason why is i mean basically because it's the it's the feel of it i mean it was one of the few world war ii games i mean world war one excuse me games out there it had the behemoth it, it the the feeling of it you rode horses even though they were a little overpowered in the beginning not so much anymore because you know how to deal with them but they are a little bit tankier than they actually should be but i mean you got the huge blimps you've got the biplanes you've got the interesting tanks that take forever. Sometimes you've got, I mean, you've got everything you could ask for in a battlefield. One game, you can actually use the guns, the huge artillery guns in some of the map portions of it. There's just a lot of great things about it. And it's just the look and feel. It felt like a war torn Europe basically. And so uh, rightfully so people have been like, Oh, maybe this isn't actually that bad even though most of the weapons really didn't, weren't used in world war one they're, they're a little bit far-fetched on that one but beyond that it was actually a really fun game the feel of it was great it was just it everything hit the right mark on this one and unfortunately this was the last one of the last best battlefield games that we've seen to date battlefield 5 is okay and 2042 is getting there but it's not quite there quite yet Speaking of Battlefield 2042, there has been a new developer update, and it's very, very interesting. So specialists are going to be coming in late November, so they're actually going to be breaking them down. Two of the specialists are getting a rework. So the latest one that usually had the, the, the chain gun or something like that, he's been moved into the engineering role. And what's his name? The, the actor that unfortunately died and was in... That dude, I don't remember his name in the game, but that dude's moving over into the support role. And so it'll be very interesting to see. I'm so I'm actually really hopeful for that breakaway map is actually going to be really, really good because it's com almost a complete redo on that one as opposed to the other ones were just kind of a modern update or like a minor changes. That one has been completely reworked and it needed to be reworked because a lot of the, a lot of the flags were just 
in open areas too much and it was really easy to die from it or get a lot of kills depending on where you were from. So I'm glad that happens. I'm glad that the specialists are actually back. I, the specialist more of a defined role is a lot better. You won't have as many people just having rocket launchers, AA launchers, or even C5 all around. So it, I think it's actually going to be good. I'm actually excited for this. I'm glad that the actual class roles are back. I know they had the vaguely defined class roles and I was fine with it, but as the long, game went longer, it just needed that type of, I guess, order and direction because a lot of times when you have complete chaos, it's just, it's just never fun. So it should be interesting to see what that, what that's going to do. Plus there's going to be a new map that they tease, but they haven't really come out with. And they promised support after season four, which a lot of rumors were like, they're going to stop after this one, which they said they're not actually going to do. So it should be interesting to see what else they're going to come out with. We're also going to get more of the old guns coming to the game. I kind of want to see more new guns, new models, but whatever. And no real new old maps in portal, which I'm kind of like, can we get some of those too? I feel like you guys are just not really wanting to do much in the portal. And it would be a really cool thing to see 2142 in there. A lot more Battlefield 4 maps, a lot more Battlefield 3 maps, Battlefield 2 maps. I know we've had those through 3 and 4, but still seeing them back in would be great. But And more Battlefield Bad Company 2, Battlefield Bad Company. Like those types of maps, more from Battlefield 1942. I mean, all those maps would be great to see, but... There really was no actual like announcement on that one whatsoever. It just feels like they kind of have been focused just on Battlefield 2042, the base game, and not much else beyond that. All right, moving on to Cyberpunk 2077 update is now going to add AMD FSR 2.1 upscaling, which is good. Always helps frame rates and FSR at least will work on NVIDIA and AMD cards because it's open source and that's what AMD actually does. One of the few things I actually like them doing is that one, but this is the newest update. So it's going to have better frame rates, supposedly depending on what cards you have and just help all around with the upscaling and making it run well and look nice at the same time. I'm always in favor of companies having these and seeing which one actually plays better dlss is slightly better but amd fsr is always going to get better because of the open source nature of it it's just eventually going to come down the road they are catching up to nvidia nvidia does have the lead on that one but just like g-sync and FreeSync, FreeSync won out because there was no extra hardware you had to buy and which really hurt nvidia as well even though a lot in the beginning it was a lot better than FreeSync. FreeSync eventually got a lot better and then that's where we're at so as always amd usually wins out on this stuff most of the time just because it's open source and they have they just work on it a lot better to eventually make it good now i'm not saying in videos that work on their stuff make them really good it's just it costs you more for some odd reason with nvidia than amd amd usually it's cost you less even their new graphics cards cost about six hundred dollars or more or less than the newest, the new generation of NVIDIA cards and are a lot slimmer as well. So we'll see how well those new cards come out or performances as well. It probably won't beat out the 4090, but if it can get pretty close to it, that's actually a pretty good thing. All right, moving on to a Kotaku 
really great analysis of why standards need to be higher on JRPGs. And guess, surprise, surprise, it's because white people. Yes, standards need to be higher because there's too many white people. Because that's not racist at all, saying that standards are low because of white people. That's like saying standards are low because of black people. It's the same thing. Now, they don't really try to make any good argument. That's just their argument. White people are here, so it's bad. Even though I'm white, I'm telling you that we're bad because reasons. Or it's like, no, it's the other white people. I'm the good white person. It's a weird flex, but it's always been a weird flex with the journalist industry. They've hated white people for a very long time because it was cool and popular, but it's not really cool and popular anymore when white people are like, yeah, we're kind of done with this. Like, stop. And I I read literally the byline and it was like, it's because of our, it was the first paragraph. It's because of whiteness. And I was like, of course it is because everything is terrible because of white people. The world is burning because of white people. The journalism industry is dying because of white people. Well, that's actually probably true. It's more like white liberals, but that's actually more true. American economy is failing because of white people. Actually, that's pretty much true because by administration it's mostly white people and they have been not doing terribly well. But it's usually another qualifier is white liberal people make everything terrible for the most part. But I'm saying this as a you can flip that to be anything you want instead of saying, hey, the standards should be write a better story, write better characters, write interesting different personalities when those when those characters make interesting story developments that is what you do to make a better standard saying there's too much white people is not a good standard to have anyways it's just you being lazy because you hate white people for whatever reason insert whatever racist reason you have because you hate white people and that's why i have such a huge problem with journalism especially the gaming journalism industries because every time something bad happens it's gamers fault or Gamergate or something for some odd reason that makes absolutely no sense because they're morally bankrupt and completely inept and intellectually dishonest that they can't actually form an actual good argument because they have no good arguments because let's insert white people in everywhere when everything is bad because that makes it all better because as we've seen for the past several years, Marxism divides then it conquers and journalists love marxism or neo-marxism because it divides their groups into demographics and they can figure out who's their ally and who's not their ally and that, that's how they win in some way so the only way is we stop actually dividing ourselves so much into fifty thousand different Gender pronouns that don't exist because my generation and the younger ones decide that collecting titles is basically just collecting gender pronouns, which makes no sense because you're still a male or female. Life throws you curveballs, but this one's basically a straight <laughs> fastball down the middle of the plate. It's, it's, this is just what it is. But when you divide yourself so much, this is what happens. This is why I can't stand gaming journalists for the most part because they're so pompous and in their, I guess, tower laced with cartridges and bad ideas that it's just, 
it's just pointless now. Like I read the first paragraph. I'm like, yep, got it. I know what you guys are exactly talking about. And so, no, you're actually wrong because I can probably figure out a better way of having a standard that doesn't really just say insert race of person that makes it a better standard. If we have less of insert race of person. Now moving on to kind of the main thing, which is going to be overwatch Two store. Now, a lot of players have been upset about the pricing and it's, it's fair. The pricing is not great. Most of the pricing is double of what the battle pass is. The battle pass is not that good. It's okay. So, I said this probably before Overwatch 2 came out that I said that every time there's a free-to-play game, it's more expensive in the long run and even now in the short term than it would be to buy just a premium game. I'm calling it premium because you pay it up front and you get to play the content and everything. And I was right because for the most part, $10 per battle pass per season or you can grind your way to get the new hero which is level 55. You also have other skins that are not in the battle pass that you have to pay for that are $19 for legendary and $10 for epic. And really, you can't really distinguish between the two because they almost look similar for the most part. I think the Genji skin was the most thought out one out of all of them, but it is what it is on, on that one. But like I said before, this is how the free to play model works. It squeezes you out of money. It's not really for your favor. And that's why I was against it being what it is because it's not in your favor. It is always in the developer or the publisher for the most part, the publisher's favor to squeeze you out of money. So they don't give you as many free stuff as before. Now everybody's like, well, it's free stuff. I'm like, no, because you pay an upfront cost for it. There is some type of payment for it. And this is what a lot of, ironically, a lot of YouTubers get wrong too. Cause they're like, it was free. I'm like, no, it wasn't free. You paid a price. You paid $20. You paid $40, 60, $70. However many amount that you paid for, you still paid for something. It is not free if you're paying for something. It is part of the cost and maybe it's a really good deal in the long run, but it's still part of that cost that you pay for the $40, which we, it was the price when it was released or the $20, which a lot of times the original overwatch was heavily discounted to $20, but the, there is a price for it. There's, you don't get skins for free. You get skins as part of the deal that you paid for the game. Now, since you didn't pay for the game and everybody can play the game, you don't have that same type of structure. You have a structure of, we will give you some skins and some things within the battle pass, but a lot of other things are going to be extra fee for you. And they're not going to be in your favor because $19 is a big, is a big ask for some skins. I would say if you're going double of what your battle pass is, you're doing it wrong, but it's also Activision. So they're always for the most part doing it that way. Cause they know that people will pay for it for the most part. It's not going to get any better until they figure it out. And usually figuring it out means they're probably going to have to eventually lower their prices. If it goes in this direction and people just start going, you know what? I don't really want to play this anymore. I feel like I'm just getting, told to pay for everything and this is getting annoying. I like the skin, but I'm not paying this much money. 
Usually lower prices will give you more people buying for it, lower barrier of entry. But when you have a 1920 and I know it's not as much money nowadays as it was before, but still, it's still a significant portion of people thinking, should I buy this or should I buy that instead? And so Blizzard, you have to figure it out. That's the problem. You have to figure this out. You have to figure out this delicate balance between making profits and feeling like you're just nickel and diming us. Now that is on you. And I said, lowering the price would probably be easier because if you do lower the price, it's a lower barrier of asking price. And if people are upset about something, they're not as upset if it was a higher price, the higher the price, the more people are expecting it to be flawless or good. The lower the price, the more, understanding they have that it's like, oh, well, it was $3. I really didn't like it as much as I did. Instead of, dang, this was 20 bucks, and I don't even like this skin anymore, and why did I buy it? And I'm very frustrated that I bought it, so I'm going to probably complain to Blizzard. That's kind of the cost-benefit analysis. But again, usually lower prices are a smaller asking price for it, which basically means more people are willing to buy it. For the most part, you, you can't buy everything, even though people would love to buy everything. But like I said before, it has to get fixed. Like this going from a bundle pricing, which was, was $27, $25 or whatever, because it was a bundle deal, which you didn't really know what that means to straight 1900 credits, which is $19 for the skin and a bunch of different things. And it's just a wishy-washy, confusing experience, which even more so will not want, players will not want to buy it because they don't really understand what's going on. I know you want them to buy bundles, but your messaging has to convince them to buy it, not because it is a certain percentage off that we deemed it off because we control all the pricing on this. You have to make better skins. I have not seen too many good skins where I'm like, man, I really want to buy this. Most of them are like, okay, that's kind of cool, but I wouldn't spend that much money on it. That's where the convincing needs to happen. And Blizzard, you're not there yet. You were actually there with Overwatch 1, even though it was a dying game. And that was actually your fault because you stopped actually making or caring or producing anything for it. And you just went to Overwatch 2. And then we're in this conundrum that we're in right now because instead of just... Uh, upgrading that and just making it better you just did a whole new game which is pretty i'm very lenient in new game because it's not really a new game it's kind of just a overwatch 2.0 you forgot the point oh on that but you have to figure it out fortnite figured it out apex kind of sort of figured it out but you have not yet Look at the Fortnite model, probably the best model that we actually have for how it made so much money. And the, and it did a lot because of beloved characters from a lot of different franchises, but it also had a lot of different skins. And it was just, it was probably an easier asking price or they just made the skins really cool. And so you either need to have the cool factor or you need to have the pricing factor in line. You, you could have both at the same time, but it's going to be a lot cheaper which I don't think you're willing to do right now until it completely collapses on you and then you have to lower prices.
So figure it out. I would lower the prices, but I know you won't because if you lower the prices and then you have to raise them, people will be upset about it. So you have to figure it out. And the only way forward is to you actually making well thought out, good legendary skins for $20. The Genji one's probably the best example because that one's actually really, really good. But the rest of the legendary skins are not really, really good. They are kind of bottom of the barrel. We got nothing, so let's just do this. And I don't really want to see that. I want to see Overwatch 2 flourish, but you have to make the right choices, Blizzard. And right now, you're kind of floundering on this one. But what do you think? Do you think that the prices are okay? Do you think Taku is right about it? Or do you think that Battlefield 2042 is just not going to be very good? It's just going to be still terrible. Let me know in the comments below. But... Thank you for listening to Digital Coffee. As always, please subscribe to Digital Coffee on all your favorite podcasting apps. Leave a five-star review if you like this podcast. And join me next week to talk about what's going on in the PC gaming industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Get to playing the games you want to play. And see you next week. Later.